Good afternoon, gentlemen. How's it going this week? See you, Paul. Hey, Paul. We, I see we're in a new spot. We're in front of your machines. Very nice I'm machines like to choose, right by the way. Robodrills, good, solid choices. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, what have you been working on this week? So we shifted this way because when I'm inputting a job through scheduling or at least setting up the job, we have each one of our robots as M1 and M2. Yep. And they have a different MT, a machine tool number, so that we can keep track of maintenance on it and everything. And I can never remember which one's which. So all I did was just put the answer where the question is. So this is a three-axis. So M2 corresponds to the three-axis. And then MT122 yep. is so that if there's maintenance due on that, whoever's doing it knows exactly where to go for it. So that perfect. these are on our machines, the compressor, our laser engravers. So just trying to organize the shop in total. Cool. Yeah, I've seen some of the posts you guys have just done on LinkedIn about general uh, visibility and just like your lean stuff. And I just love how visual you guys are making your shop. It's it's uh, it's good stuff. It's forward thinking. Yeah, the goal is to be able to hire anyone and for them to be able to pick up everything as fast as possible. Uh, kind of get rid of like as much tribal knowledge as possible, document everything. Yeah. As, as yeah, we, we did a webinar for clients, which you probably saw. I don't know if you were on it with uh, JJR Fabrication a few weeks ago. And they have big uh, posts on every workstation, including their assembly and inspection and deburr, where that op that actually corresponds with the op number in ProShop. So like op 1500 is always their deburr operation. So their deburr bench and deburr area would have a big 1500 on it. With a rack that corresponds to the to the uh, queued work in ProShop for that work center. So yeah, same thing as you. They 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 want any employee to be able to on day one look around and see visually matching ProShop and exactly you know what jobs are where and where you know where they can can work and do stuff. So yeah, it's a cool vision. Awesome. That's a good idea. I'll have to watch that. I know when Kevin was introducing me to the work order, he's like, just keep the same op numbers, and I didn't understand yeah. why until now. I'm like. Oh yeah, off 2000 inspection, all this. And like, oh, it makes sense now. So everything's the same and it's easier to remember. So yeah, that's cool. That, huh? Yeah. And you build all those into your templates for estimating and parts. So whenever you make new part numbers, they're just default all the same. So yeah, right on. Cool. Um, what else are you learning and working on? So the next thing, oh, so... We were doing a lot of COX numbers, uh, co yeah, COX numbers for our material, and yep. that's fine because we'll go into the part, uh, the rough stock level, create a bomb, and then that'll import all of the uh, lot numbers and everything. So when I do a, a COC or when I generate it at the end, it's all filled in. But we picked up some sheet aluminum for a specific job, and I didn't want to create a lot number or a COX number for that. Yep, a little more work. So then Kevin also mentioned, he's like, oh, you could just create a part stock. Part stock, right? yep. Yeah, a part stock for it. So that's super easy because all I do is go into my part level, create the part stock that I want, generate a PO directly from that. And then when the PO is fulfilled, I'm putting my lot number and everything right in there. So that saves one step for not having to create a cot number. Yeah, and then sure. when the job's done, all the same information gets pulled in for the COC and then we're done with it. So yeah. that was cool. 
Yeah, and you didn't have to clutter up your COTS module with some random piece of material you're never going to buy again, right? Yep. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, and uh, so is that for, uh, you're doing that for, I know you guys are, uh, I've been big into into zometry, but starting to do some work with other direct clients as well. Um, and uh, uh, is that related to like you're getting a more variety of, of sort of random types of material types and sizes you might need, or not really it's, related to that? It's definitely like it can be job specific, but so, we have some material on hand and we want to keep some inventory so we can achieve really quick turnaround times. Yep. But yeah, then there's other random size material. It's like, okay, sure. the chances of us doing this again are slim. And even if we do, we still have track all that with our PO and everything. So it's simple enough to reorder if we need to. I think it's just the, the nature of prototype work. It's all over the place. Yeah, it's absolutely. Sure. Awesome. Um, cool. That's good stuff. Anything else you guys want to go through today? What we're going over now, so especially estimating, like when we do a lot of zometry work, for those of you who don't know how zometry works, they pretty much say you can do one, several line items, whatever it is specific for the job for X amount. We can either agree with it and take the job or go over the price, whatever. If we take the job, it's let's say seven parts for X amount of money. So we're not really saying this one part we quoted for $50 a part or this one part was a dollar a part. So it's kind of like spread across the board, divided evenly. So when it actually comes to seeing how much we're making or what our margins are for each specific line item, at least yeah. zometry, it's not really set up that well. Sure. So now going and quoting other people and moving away from zometry, we're seeing the need to actually sharpen that up and make sure we're getting as accurate as possible with those numbers. Okay, cool. So that would be getting the most accurate setup and run times, programming times, and then ultimately deciding how much you want to charge for each of those activities. Correct. Yes. Like what kind of hourly rate you want to charge for machining time versus assembly time or programming time. Exactly. I mean, we have a three axis and a five axis. So right there, we're not going to charge the same rate for either of those. Got it. It's a lot more intensive for the, it can be for the programming on the five versus the three. So we want to take all that into account. Yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's wise that you're thinking that way already, because I can tell you there's lots of shops that regardless of what machine they're using or what work center it is, they want to use like a standard shop rate, like a hundred bucks an hour, regardless of what we're doing. Um, and in my experience, that will often mean your most valuable expensive machines get overloaded with low, low margin work and your least expensive machines don't win much of any work, you know, and yeah, you have your five and three axis machines, but imagine the, the extreme where you have, you know, a, a two axis lathe that costs 60 grand and you have a five axis horizontal pallet pool that costs a million bucks you don't want to charge the same rate for those two machines. So like you want dra dramatically different rates, very likely. Um, so why don't we share your screen and we'll actually kind of look, I know you're just getting into this, but getting set up to um, have the, uh, the settings all set properly for that. Yeah. So this is what we call the machine overhead, machine portion of overhead page. And what we're seeing here is, uh, and let me grab my annotation thing. So we are seeing here, 
like you, you, we already have in here your your M2, your three-axis robo drill, and I can see that you guys have in the in the month of August, you guys have 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 tracked about forty-three hours worth of time on that machine, which is a good data point to know. Um, but uh, ultimately, what we're interested here, and you, you know, and actually, we're doing a webinar. Uh, in just a couple of weeks where we're going to talk about exactly how to calculate the rates that you want to put into these these fields. So this this rate on the left, the machine rate per hour, this is the one that's going to be used to calculate your job costing. So let's say someone works for 10 hours on a job on this machine and you have, you know, 30 bucks an hour for the person's cost, you know, including their pay and benefits and all that. And then you might want to have another 40 bucks an hour as the overhead, direct overhead, you know, machine rate for this job, then that would be burdening all 10 hours of that job at, at 70 bucks an hour in total, 30 plus 40, right? Um, so that'd be 700 bucks. And then this one on the right-hand side is for your estimating. So do you want to charge, you know, 100 bucks an hour or 50 bucks an hour or, you know, 80 or whatever it might be? Um, which will very likely be a different rate. So if you if you opened up this the the next drop down and chose your M1 machine, right, um, then you could cost that at a higher rate as well as um, you know estimate that at a higher rate. So you'd have different numbers in in for this one. But again, that's a more sophisticated way of doing it than just saying we're going to charge 100 bucks an hour for any job that we quote. Uh, so that's really kind of like activity-based costing and activity-based estimating, which um, which we have a help uh, help document about, which I think you have queued up. Um, yeah, what we call our 101 uh, with variance, 201 and 301. So, you know, in a, in, a, in a just quick nutshell, the 101 would be like, I wanna charge a hundred bucks an hour, regardless of, you know, what we're doing. Like this is a single shop rate. 201 would be where you're getting a little more granular, you know, different um, costs for, you know, machine, different machines or different types of, of labor, you know, setup people versus operators or programmers. And then the 301 would be the most sophisticated where you are, you know, varying your quoting rate based on uh, the cost of the person that's doing the work and the cost of the machine that you're or the work center that you're using to do that work. Um, cause like we said at the beginning, you ideally to, to, e to level load your whole shop and make sure that all of your work centers are equally busy. You want to be quoting a market rate for each of those work centers. Uh, so you don't say lose out on a job that has, you know, 10 hours of machine time and five hours of insert installation. You don't want to lose your opportunity to do that machining work because you quoted the insert installation also at 150 bucks an hour and that's not competitive. So you lose the job and now you don't get the machine time, uh, you know, as well. So a little bit of a rant there, but um, yeah, it's awesome that you guys are uh, already thinking about as you transition off azometry work into more, you know, your own direct machining work, um, just exactly how you want to start quoting that work. And then well, making sure your job costing is, is really set, dialed into. Exactly, because the 301 method too, so we're looking at potentially automating one of the five axis. So I could also see like 
there's a cost for when we're here running it and also like a cost when the robot's tending it. So at that point, because we're increasing our spindle utilization throughout the day, we can almost like charge less for a specific job where we know like, oh, you could run this for three weeks straight at night with the robot. So we could charge less for it because our margin is still there. So I could see yeah. how we could get very granular with it, but there may be value. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome stuff. Um, yeah, glad to uh, get into that topic. I think it's really important one for you guys to wrap your head around and get all the settings set properly so you can, you know, win, win the jobs you want at the margins you want. And because at the end of the day, that's that's important to making profit and keeping uh, a viable business and growing, which I know is your goal, right? Oh, yeah. It's easy to spend money, so. <laughs> <laughs> You got to make it so you can spend it. Oh, yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks for sharing all that. It was great to catch in with catch up with you again this week. And um, yeah, keep on learning and we'll talk again next time. Sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate right. it. Thank you, guys. Everybody.